0: Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the Queen of Queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.
1: Hey, I'm Shamar. And I'm Andrew. We're going to be doing a deep dive on all the connected DC animated movies in their cinematic universe. Yes, I'm here to discuss the interconnected storylines and point out how jacked everybody is. And I'm here to share a deep comic book knowledge like Batman having his own sneaker line. So check out yet another DC animated podcast part of the Forgotten Entertainment family and coming soon wherever you listen to your podcast. third guest has arrived
0: (laughs) and now we can start for the third time
1: hello and welcome to cracking one open with mike and elise and on this episode we're talking beer not just any beer but a beer that's been on my floor in a box that is now in my fridge that's chilling out that i've only vaguely seen tried not to pay too much attention to (laughs) but i'm gonna tell you right now i think it might be race car themed
0: Mm, see i guess i can't I don't know. Do you want me to spoil it for you? No,
1: let's go. I mean, you're going to it. That's what the whole. (laughs) That's what we're here for. So, uh, let's talk whatever we're talking about today. What are we talking about today?
0: (laughs) This week we are cracking open Racer Five, a West Coast style IPA from Bear Republic Brewing Company, located in Cloverdale, California. So, in 1993, the Norgrove family's Red Rocket Ale when won Best New Product at the Interbike International Bicycle Expo in Las Vegas. I have no idea what this has to do with beer, mm. so moving on. Uh, Bear Republic Brewing Company was then officially founded in 1995, and they began brewing in 1997 at their original location in he- Healdsburg, California.
1: Good old Healdsburg.
0: <laughs> where they, quote, created and sometimes stumbled upon some of our favorite beer recipes. Ricardo's Red Rocket Ale, Racer 5, and many others began in that very brew house. In 1999, Racer 5 IPA won its first gold medal for American IPA at the Great American Beer Festival. In 2000, they expanded their Healdsburg location into an additional production space. And by 2005, after 11 years of rapid growth, Bear Republic opened their Factory 5 production facility in Cloverdale in order to brew and package all the beer that would go to market. In 2006, Bear Republic was named Small Brewing Company and Small Brewing Company Brewer of the Year at the Great American Beer Festival. In 2014, Bear Republic went solar, installing the world's first all-USA commercial solar array. USA, USA, <laughs> USA. And then in 2017, they opened Lakeside Brew Pub in Roanert Park, California. But let's get to the beer. Ooh. <laughs> so Racer 5 is one of America's most medal-winning IPAs. On their website, it says, quote, enjoy this iconic award-winning IPA that helped define the West Coast style. There's a trophy in every glass. End quote. And Racer5 does have a rating of 94 on Beer Advocate, which honestly is what initially caught my eye when I saw this beer on the shelf at the liquor store. So according to their website, Bear Republic has won over five hundred awards from all over for their beer, which is Insane. (laughs) They also have a New England IPA called Through the Haze that won gold and best of show at Copa Cervezas de America in the Northeast IPA category. And that is an international beer competition.
1: Ooh, international.
0: (laughs) And just a little fun fact, the name Bear Republic refers to California's 1846 Bear Flag Revolt. (laughs) so racer 5 clocks in at 7.5 abv and has an ibu rating of 75 which is pretty high even for an ipa racer 5 is brewed with pale barley malt white wheat malt crystal malt with the brewery's house uh ale yeast and with cascade centennial chinook and columbus hops The brewery says that the malt base is designed to highlight the unique floral qualities of Columbus and Cascade hops from the Pacific Northwest. So first up, we've got Cascade, which was pioneered in the 1950s and released in the 1970s. It was the first hop to come out of the USDA hop breeding program and has since become one of the most popular American hops of all time. It represents about 10 percent of all hops grown in the United States. And from a quick search, there are about 50 American hops in production. So that's a decent percentage of Cascade if that is still an accurate statistic. I did try to find a more recent tally of how many different hops are currently being grown in the U.S., like specifically as of 2021. And I couldn't find a number, (laughs) but I did find an article that said, according to the USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service, uh, a new record was set in 2021 for total hop acreage at 60,735 acres, which is 4% more than last year's previous record. And as a side note, the top five varieties which were strung for harvest in the U.S. are Citra, Mosaic, CTZ, Cascade, and Simcoe, a lot of which specifically are in this beer. <laughs> I'm
1: surprised CTZ is one of the... Top um ones. we covered a we, decent amount but not all the te- not that often.
0: Technically we will get to it.
1: Oh, Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Back to Cascade for right now. Uh, Cascade has a distinct spicy citrus aroma with hints of grapefruit and it's actually pretty similar to Hallertau Mittelfrä. It's the original hop used in cores, but it turned out to be a little too strong for that light beer. So they, too spicy. Yeah, it's too interesting. So they cut back on its use. Uh, but soon after that, the owner of Anchor Steam took note of this new hop and decided that Cascade would be perfect for their Liberty Ale, which is considered the first pro, the first post-prohibition IPA and first single-hopped American ale. And after that. Cascade really took off in popularity. Today, there are also Argentinian, Australian, and New Zealand hop varieties of Cascade. Next up, we've got Centennial hops. Developed in 1974 and released in 1990, they are a mix of Brewer's Gold, East Kent Golding, Fuggle, and Bavarian hops. Both Centennial and Amarillo hops are considered very close to Cascade because of their citrusy character. But what makes Centennial special is its versatility with the depth of bitterness and the aroma that really balances out. And that's what keeps uh, Centennial in high demand. Chinook hops were bred in 1974 by Chuck Zimmerman while he was working for the USDA Hop Breeding Program. It was released in 1985 and found popularity with both mainstream and craft brewers. For the most part, mainstream brewers like Coors, uh, liked Chinook for its bittering qualities, but craft brewers found that the flavor and aroma were something to be appreciated as well. So it's definitely a dual purpose hop variety. Chinook can be slightly spicy with a somewhat smoky kind of earthy quality. It has an impressive pine character with distinct notes of grapefruit, but it its bitterness can turn catty when used oh. in large quantities. <laughs> <laughs> so beware of that. And here's where we get to CTZ. So finally, Columbus hops. Um, What's interesting is that their exact lineage is unknown. Um, Technically, they are the same as tomahawk hops um, and very similar to Zeus. And in fact, the hops are commonly referred to as CTZ, which stands for Columbus Tomahawk Zeus. So. There's no difference aside from the name. It's the same hop just registered to two different companies. And there was actually a legal dispute about it, about who got to patent the hop. And the companies just kind of settled it by, you know. Separating them. Yeah, says. separating the names. So Columbus has a punchy hoppiness and a deep earthy aroma with understated citrus notes. So it's, it's perfect as a dual uh, purpose hop. They're most often used late in the boil, and when it's super fresh, they have an herbal flavor with a lemon kind of citrusy back note. They're used in a wide range of beers, from Imperial Red or Imperial Brown to barley wines, stouts, American ales, lagers, and obviously IPAs. Ippa! Ippas! So would you like to crack open this Ippa? Nah. What? Oh, wait. Wait. It's kind of our job. Shit. (laughs) Then yes. Woo. All right. All right. Through the magic
1: of editing, I am back (laughs) with the beers from the fridge. And the frosty Frosty glasses. Frosted glasses. I know technically you're not supposed to, but it just tastes
0: so much better. It really does. So I'm not wrong. And it doesn't say that it's... uh,
1: doesn't give you the temperature. It doesn't
0: give the optimal temperature to be served at, so... Mm. Sorry, our third co-host has an itch, apparently. (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, it's racer. I mean, it's kind of because they won that racer thing that you said at the beginning. Sure. Okay, anyway. I'm
0: looking at the can. Let's crack it. Oh, nice.
1: That was one of our best cracks in a long time.
0: Pine. That is straight up pine on the nose. Mm, A little bit of fruitiness.
1: Honestly, I don't get much from just the can.
0: So this is exactly the color I would expect from a West Coast IPA.
1: Yep. Kind of a dark straw gold color.
0: Pretty nice head. Lacy.
1: Yep. Nice head. Foamy, not too thick. I'm still getting an awful lot of pine. I'm still getting a little sweet with my pine, though.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's why they made it a point to... Say that the the malt base is is meant to highlight the floral qualities of some of the hops. That could be adding to the sweetness. Would be my guess. There's only one way to tell. Clink it and drink it.
1: That's trademarked. We can't use that. Oh,
0: we can't. Okay. Cheers. Sorry. Cheers.
1: I don't know. If it's <laughs> trademarked. I just know that we're just ripping somebody off of. You.
0: <laughs> Ooh, that is yeah. That's exactly what I I expect from a West Coast IPA.
1: I'm not getting as much pine as I want to from my West Coast. This is not what I would expect from West Coast. I would expect so much more pine. I'm getting a lot of stone fruit. I'm getting a lot of fruitiness at the top and a lot of yeast at the top or malts.
0: Malts. I'm getting a lot of sweet I would say it's very malt and floral heavy.
1: Yes. So I'm not getting that pine-ness that I would expect from West Coast. I'm getting an aroma of
0: pine that like, I don't know. I get a little bit at the top, but it's such a sweet
1: pine. I would not tell you this was a West Coast IPA. Really? I don't know if I could. I get a little bit of that pininess, but it's so multi yeah. and floral. And those are the first and foremost the notes on it.
0: It's interesting though that like they say that this was this kind of defined the West Coast IPA style. And it is technically from the nineties. So like
1: Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if this was the start and then maybe it just got to, hey, let's make it way more piney as they go. Yeah. Then maybe that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But off the like, just right off the bat, it's just a little more floral and and malty than what I'm used to now. But yeah, like you said, this is a 1995 or 97, 97 IPA. 95 is when I established. Yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, this IPA came out when we were 10. Woof. (laughs) But you don't hear about that very often. You don't hear about all these things from the 90s and the early, the mid 90s opening and like these breweries being successful, these crap breweries.
0: I feel like some of the old breweries that we've talked about are from California.
1: Oh, for sure. The East Coast probably didn't have much of like a brewery revolution until like 2010s or at least the late 2000s when we started getting into breweries because they just started popping up everywhere. Yeah. But the West Coast probably had theirs a little earlier. So, yeah. But, you know, even then, we don't do ones that are this old very often.
0: No. It's really cool when we were able to. I, I honestly wish I was able to, to find out a little bit more about the brewery itself. But there wasn't a whole ton of information online.
1: Mm-hmm. But if we're looking at it historically, if we're mm-hmm. looking at this as a historical beer, then it I is interesting to see, see how this it as becomes a, a proto-West yeah. Coast. Because it's definitely not what West Coast beers are now. At least to the best of my East Coast knowledge, mm. um,
0: but I could absolutely see this as like the origin that led to what we know as the West Coast IPA now, which is slightly, slightly less sweet and slightly more, more piney.
1: Yeah, this is very sweet,
0: but it is very. absolutely distinct from New England IPAs.
1: Yes, I guess this is a almost like a West Coast version of a yeast bomb, maybe.
0: It could be, yeah.
1: Um, but like you said, it's more malt than the yeast, kind of making it like this, yeah, um, which gives it kind of that sweetness, almost a cereal-like quality, mm-hmm. almost like a frosted flakes type thing, almost like when we get those um, those oats in and the the flakes, cornflake things in, like the Mexican lagers and stuff. That yeah. We've had. Only this is kind of like if it's ratcheted up to like ten, mm-hmm. um, that's what this is because it really gives me this. This sweetness, but then I keep tasting it. It's like a a wheat barley kind of cerealness to it, almost, mm-hmm. which is nice. It is a little sweet for me in general. Yeah, it's not. It's not
0: exactly what you expected, so that always Less sweet throws one off as well.
1: Yeah, it's just the it's, sweetness. Like you know, I'm not a huge fan of over sweetness in my beer.
0: Yeah, I can see though how this would have made its mark.
1: Oh, absolutely. In the
0: IPA world back in the 90s.
1: Back in the 90s, 10 years ago. I mean, the sweetness is.
0: T- did you just say the 90s was 10 years ago, baby? I did. Oh.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> Reality check. <laughs> oh, no. 30 years ago in <laughs> the 90s. <laughs> uh, I can see how absolutely this would have made a huge, been a huge deal. You know, this would have blown people's minds back then. Yeah. Totally. Uh, this isn't something that was available readily every day. Mm-hmm. This isn't something like we have it. We're like, oh, yeah, it's this and this and this. Back then, people would have been like, what? Mm-hmm. This is beer? Beer can be this? Um, Mind blown. It is. This is the thing about this beer is at the same time, I'm not a big fan of the sweetness. I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of how cereal the sweetness is. It's It's like having the end of a glass of milk after you've had Something like Frosted Flakes or Honey Smacks or something like that. Yeah. Like a really high grain, high sweet kind of cereal. That's what it gives me. Okay. Do you not get that with the sweetness? No. (laughs) That's what I'm getting. I think I'm getting a lot more of the, the malts on this one than I am the hops, which is cool.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a switch up.
1: The malts are kind of like we always talk about. Hey, no one talks about the malts. No one describes the malt. No one cares no. about the malts. The malts are like a a, a forethought, like whatever. We're going to cover this 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 mother in hops anyway. So who cares mm-hmm. about what we put in terms of uh, malts and stuff. But they use three different kind of malts and they described them. They told you what they were. Yep. It's super malt forward, which I think is cool. Um, but then I get the floral notes of the hops. I don't get...
0: And I wonder what their house ale yeast lends to it as well, which I feel like is is also pretty standard. Like I, every brewery seems to have their own yeast, like proprietary yeast.
1: Oh, yeah, the yeast. Yeah, I'm not sure what the yeast actually gives to it as opposed to like the malts and the hops. But I mean, these malts are really front and center. And then I get some floral notes and then I get a little bit of that piney, but I don't really yeah. get a ton of pine. I almost want to have an American IPA and then like there we still have like a switchback. Yep. Like the switchback is an American IPA, a classic just American.
0: And we also have the the one from Hog River, the blue blueprint.
1: Oh, that's just an American IPA. Yep. I compare those with this and then a New England and see like where they kind of splintered.
0: Yeah create like a timeline like you see it at the museums of how, everything, of how everything
1: evolves yeah because i just don't this is so almost east coast ipa but it's considered the first west coast ipa but it's got a lot of the stuff that we associate with east coast which is mm-hmm. the overly floral notes the the bomb kind of like in terms of like the yeast or malt kind of a thing
0: so is this homo erectus
1: it might be but at the same time <laughs> The yeast bomb is a, a a malt bomb, which is similar in that it's giving you kind of bready kind of cereal, but this is more cereal kind of flavors. Mm-hmm. But that pine while it's there is very muted.
0: Mm-hmm. But in the
1: East Coast, you get no pine. But in a lot of the West Coast we've had, you don't get that fruity floral notes really at all.
0: It's
1: true. Maybe you get the floral, but you don't really get any fruity, but in this you get a little bit of fruity.
0: I'm not get I I really am not getting as much fruity as I am floral like you are.
1: I definitely get more floral, but I get a I get a a, a hint of like a, a stone fruity kind of thing. Just, yeah, just like an the underlying. Hint. Yeah, uh,
0: okay.
1: Um, I couldn't like point anything out like apricot or pineapple. Just a hint of it. Whereas like what's the West Coast from Dockside that we've had that uh, Califragilistic uh, Califragalistic. It's just pine and floral. Yeah, and that's it. Um. Mm-hmm. And we've but had it's very many others since forward. then. It's very pine forward. And that's a lot of the West Coast that I've had since then. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Tubular um, from two roads, which we did in the cast. Yep. Also very pine forward. But this just, pine is there, but it's not forward. And it's got the other notes that you might find in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting. But I mean, this is super complex and interesting. I can see why it won awards. Oh, yeah. And... For this to have come out in 1997. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the year Independence Day came out.
0: Oh, damn.
1: Or no, was that 96?
0: Uh, No, no, this is the year Independence Day came
1: out. This is the year of Jurassic Park Lost World. Oh, shit. This is like, we're still in elementary school and this complex beer came out. Yeah. And we always rip on like the past in terms of beers being boring and stuff, but there were beers like this around. Yeah. That's pretty awesome, I think.
0: And I have to, I'm curious what it, how popular it was. I mean, obviously it won awards, but that doesn't necessarily uh, speak to the consumer popularity.
1: Big enough to end up buying a second location eventually a few years After later. After
0: 11 years. When did
1: they buy their second location? The
0: uh, one f- just for 2005. So eight years yeah. later? 11.
1: From nineteen ninety seven, but okay, from nineteen ninety five when they established. When they it. found okay, it, yeah. yeah. but they still had their original location. That's buying a second look. They must have done well enough. I mean, yes. that's still expensive even back then. Yeah, like I don't know how far it is from like L A. and all that for like hipsters and stuff oh, like that coming to it.
0: Yeah, I I didn't do like a Google Maps to see where Cloverdale or Healdsburg Hel- 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 is because they're close to
1: like the three big, you know, San Diego, San Francisco, or Los Angeles. I can see a lot of hipsters digging this big time yeah i mean people in general who want interesting beer
0: Mm
1: -hmm. that's the thing about the east coast is i think that's why i don't know if it's the same way back over there but a lot of people that you know when this started here in the late 2000s or early 2010s that were in their 40s and 50s now they're like in their 60s and 70s are like, no, I don't want to try that. That's gross. Or this, is gross. or I don't want to try any of this. They're so stuck in their ways because they've never really had these kind of breweries yeah. putting out interesting things. Whereas in the West Coast, like you talked about, we've had a lot of West Coast breweries that are older. Mm-hmm. They had places they could go to to try things. You know, there's, to the best of my knowledge, when I turned 21, even, there really weren't any places well known where i could have gone with my dad to try a bunch of interesting beers no you know when i turned 21 i was hooked on corona because
0: that's what all else we had yeah. yeah
1: um then a few years later it was like thimble popped up and two roads popped up and now there's so many others here
0: 120 breweries in connecticut in connecticut
1: <laughs> plus new york city and new york city didn't have that many either now you got brooklyn now you've yeah. got um, evil twin evil twin you got blue point although that's long island mm-hmm. you got all these different ones and that wasn't really the way it was You had pick and whistle making their own beer for since they've opened which is yep. cool um, although when you ask them hey do
0: you <laughs> do you do growlers, do you growlers or anything growlers or they, anything? Look, at they you look like, you like have- you're an idiot yeah
1: it's like, your beer is awesome. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, if you're in New York City, try Pick and Whistle. There's two locations. On
0: 36th, specifically. It's cheaper. There's two locations. <laughs> yeah. One of them is a little off the beaten path, and it's m- worth the the trek.
1: Yeah. it's not that much. It's in the Garment District right off of Broadway. Yeah. Way cheaper.
0: But the other one is like really close to Midtown. Like it's yeah, super easy to Midtown, get to. Midtown also close the, to uh, The other yeah. one is, is worth taking an extra subway ride. The one we go to. Yeah. But they're both awesome. We haven't been to the other one. I thought we did.
1: Oh, well, the one off the beaten path is fucking awesome. (laughs) They did a lot with the design. It's two floors. That's so cool. The bar goes all the way up. It's like you had a ladder to get some of the bottles, which I'm sure they never do. Mm -hmm. It's just there. (laughs) It's really, really dope. And they have a patio, which a lot of breweries, a lot of places. I mean, now they have patios because you have to eat outdoors. Um, But but yeah, they
0: had patios years and years ago. On the
1: second floor. So you can kind of eat outside on Mm -hmm. the patio. And it's a small little pub, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to Pick and Whistle. But I mean, Pick and Whistle has been doing it for a while. But again, other than that, you know, there's no place to really go experience beer.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, you, you had Coors, you had Miller, you have Bud. Well, the West Coast had Sierra Nevada, uh, which has been around for forever. Mm-hmm. And I guess Bear Republic and a bunch of other things that we've done casts yeah. for. East Coast, we really didn't have a lot of big stuff. Or if we did, they were maybe struggling until now and not really out there advertising really big. You know, you go into a liquor store, you didn't find, like, the little guy. No. And now you find the little guy all over the place. Which is awesome. And to find a beer that is... Hold on. I'm doing math. It's
0: 24
1: years old, this beer. This is a 24-year-old beer, and it's super complex, super different, super interesting. Uh, is, is really cool. And for it not to be, you know, obviously European, because we've had some like Schlinkerla, which is 400 years yeah. old, <laughs> amazing. Uh, you know, for America, it's like it's cool to have beer that's old and awesome, yeah, and unique and interesting. And not, not that I'm saying that, you know, a hundred years ago or whatever, Coors wasn't interesting and unique, but now it's mass produced, mass product. It's it. Tastes like a mass-produced beer. Yeah. Bud tastes like a mass-produced beer. Miller tastes like it's a mass-produced beer. It's the Pepsi beer. of beer. Don't, don't say Pepsi. I hate Pepsi. I don't hate Bud. I just don't like Bud. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Pepsi. Well, I, couldn't, I love Mountain Dew. I
0: couldn't compare it to Coke, obviously. That's true.
1: Ooh, what is beers equivalent to Coke? That's a whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of those beers, they kind of taste mass-produced. Like we were at a festival... Um, The Oyster Festival in Milford, which we always go to. And I had a Miller Lite and I enjoyed it with my pizza.
0: Yeah. But it's not
1: great. It's Miller Lite. Yeah. But yeah, this is so much more interesting than any of that. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I've been talking and I haven't gotten that far down because I, I will say it is filling. This is a filling beer.
0: It is. It's not a light beer. And as it's coming down to temperature, I feel like I'm getting a little bit more complexity as well.
1: Getting a lot of that cereal, a little bit of floral, a little stone fruit on the finish, and a little pine to add to that bitterness. Mm -hmm. You said the IBU is really high.
0: 75.
1: But I don't think this is particularly bitter. No. Compared to like tubular, which was West Coast. You know, I will say that the West Coast does tend to trend more bitter Mm -hmm. because of the pininess.
0: And I, yeah, I think because they because West Coast IPAs tend to learn tend to lean more pine heavy mm-hmm. than stone fruit heavy. Um, I mean that's that's just naturally going to be on the more bitter end of things. So yeah, I I think it makes sense in that way.
1: Yeah, I just don't think it was as bitter as I was expecting from yeah. that high rating.
0: So would you like to talk about the can?
1: Sure. (laughs) So the can is interesting in that I think the can kind (laughs) of sucks. But I kind of like that it sucks.
0: (laughs) It doesn't suck. It looks like it's from 1997.
1: (laughs) It does look like it's from 1997. First of all, it is a full heat sink, heat sinked can from top to bottom so that it's not like glued on. It is. It is on there professionally, which is cool. I like yeah. that. Um, but man, it is
0: I have it is I, like
1: Photoshop nightmare right now.
0: Honestly, the Bear Republic logo, the font that they used for it. It's so 90s. It's so nineties. I can't even get over. It.
1: It's like hand drawn, like I skateboard <laughs> dude. It's yellow. It kind of is 3D embossed because the ends are red and pointy. The bear, the points on the B are pointy. The R comes down. It's like a point, like a sharp.
0: It almost sharpness. looks like they put papyrus on caps lock.
1: Oh, maybe. It looks like you went to like a laser tag place in your local arcade.
0: Oh my god, yes. And that's
1: what they're advertising. Yep. It's dope AF. I love it. I, I love it knowing that how old it is. It's super, super awesome. It
0: fits. I, I accept it because it's that old. <laughs> How old it is If it was a brewery that was founded last year, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> go home, go home and recalibrate.
1: And it's also not but centered. I love with the their... nostalgia
0: factor of the design of this can. It's also
1: not centered. With They have independent oh. since 1995 below their Bear Republic logo. And in between independent and since, they have their Bear logo. Mm hmm. And which is super kind of, it looks like it was from a a, ta, a, a flag or a, um, not a stamp. What do they call them? The things you iron on. A patch. A patch. That, that's, that That is how the bear looks in their little logo. Yeah. But it's off center. It goes under the EP and Republic. It's not centered with the Bear Republic, which kind of has an arch to it, which is really off putting, but super 90s. It's like somebody's MySpace page. <laughs> And that's around a black border that covers the whole top of the can, except for two red lines that come down for no reason on the side. I assume
0: they're racing stripes.
1: I don't think so. (laughs) On the top of the can, it says Independent Family Brewers. uh, Three times. And then below the Bear Republic sign, it says Racer 5 in fun, cartoony font, I guess. Yeah. Also like it was done on Photoshop with a yellow circle below the five and the five has a circle around it as if that was that race car's number mm-hmm. and then the backdrop is well, looks like a checkered flag but it's white and silver instead of white and black
0: which i mean i understand why they didn't do white and black that would be like really it's really too harsh much, on it's the eyes too
1: much black with the rest of the can yeah
0: But the fact that the checkerboard is white and gray just reminds me of Photoshop when you've cut something out. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
1: The backdrop, your layer. The uncolored layer. Yep. Yep. This is India Palo also in that fun kind of Comic Sans font. This is absolutely done like so long ago and I love it, but it's terrible. Uh, Then below that, it says one pint in a completely different font. So they've got one, two, three, four, five. This is six different fonts in this one can. (laughs) <laughs> super this is my MySpace page <laughs> um, brewed and canned by Barra Public Brewing Company incorporated in Cloverdale California which is all its own font as well yep but that's just like small font and then that's that whole deal is printed twice because on the other side of the double red line thin line that goes down it says again by the way the border for the top of the can is yellow mm-hmm. as well and then there's a black stripe for where they have the government warning and the barcode for the can, which is just generic. And below the can is a yellow line, but it doesn't quite match up because the can doesn't quite match up. It's it's awesome. <sighs> this this whole thing is super. It, it's it's an- a, And the box she got at least got this in is also like it's just this logo on yeah. a box. <laughs> and that's like I kept looking at it all week guys like I I kept myself from going really close up and looking at it but I was so intrigued by how it's eye catching it's so eye catching and how old it looks how Mm -hmm. not old like ancient but like how nostalgic nostalgically MySpace it looks Yes, Uh, and I'm gonna have to update my MySpace and that's the thing is
0: like we're not we're not knocking it this totally speaks to us oh yeah
1: (laughs) this can is friends with Tom
0: Points if you know what we're referring to.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In fact, Tom is one of its top friends.
0: (laughs) He's in the (laughs) top eight.
1: So yeah, I mean, the can is pretty awesome. I mean, it really caught my eye all week. I Mm -hmm. just kept looking at this can because it's so. It's so bad and so (laughs) awesome at the same time that you can't help but look at the can and button like, yes, Yes, Bear Republic, I want this can. <laughs> and then you drink this beer, and it's so interesting. It's not a West Coast, it's not an East Coast. You know, I started being kind of negative on this can because it wasn't the West Coast I would expect I expected it to be. But I think people by now can tell that I love the cereal yeah. of this the of this can, as I make up my own word.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now that I'm thinking about it, it actually kind of reminds me of the IPAs that we get when we're down in Universal in Florida.
1: Like the one want the alligator on it again mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Well, yeah. we'll be trying that again in a few weeks. Keep your eyes peeled. We're going to be we'll doing be, some we'll shows be from, right from, from Universal. our
0: vacation mm-hmm. as long as COVID doesn't get in the way. Fuck
1: you, COVID. I'm immune now. I got my shots.
0: Yeah. We're vaccinated. We're coming so at loud. you. <laughs> coming at you, Universal. Um But no, I
1: I guess I get that. Like the alligator one. Yeah. It's very sweet.
0: It reminds I, me of the beers that we have at the NBC Universal uh that's what, okay, I know, because yeah. they have
1: the most beers on on tap that you can choose from. That's yeah. the one good thing about that place. The food's okay, but the the food's okay. The amount the beer, of beers they the have beer on tap is awesome. Is great. Um
0: we find a lot of stuff that we can't get up here necessarily in the northeast. I
1: don't disagree.
0: But I would you, but say you that kind of disagree. No, I,
1: <laughs> there are a couple of beers that I, again, we've, we're almost at 100 episodes now, and we have so many beers in between episodes that Episode I,
0: I 98, baby.
1: <laughs> I can't tell you all the beers we've had, but there are very few that give me this cerealiness to yeah. them. And I, I really do love that. I really do appreciate mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And one of those I know is Wicked Bueno. Yes. And that's
0: like one of. Yeah, that's a
1: that's super close to this in terms of and again, two completely different beers because we it bueno was just a Mexican lager mm-hmm. that I had an entire six pack of within like an hour yeah. one time because it was so
0: good. I haven't been able to find it since then. It makes me so sad. It's probably
1: the best. And uh, I've had some really good, like cerveza from Tribus is amazing, but that is probably the best mexican lager yeah. from the united states that i've had but i get similar notes with this with that oaty kind of sweetness mm-hmm. the cerealiness and it's 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 awesome as a as a big fan of cereal i think it's really cool as a beer that's 1997 it's awesome as a beer that is award winning from that time as well like mm-hmm. they they were, somebody recognized it back then when I figure most people from back then are the same people from now who are like, ugh, craft beers, ugh, yeah. IPAs, Stouts for Life, or loggers <laughs> Only, or something. It's like, there's something to be said about a beer like this. Granted, mm-hmm. it is heavy. Absolutely. You can't have more than one. I will be having the rest of these beers, but.
0: Not tonight. Not tonight.
1: <laughs> you know, it's awesome. This beer is great. But like you said, also a proto-West Coast beer. I think if you told me at the start that this was a proto-West Coast beer, obviously you don't taste them I beforehand. Mean, I mean, kind of did. You kind of did. <laughs> if we had both known it was like a proto-West Coast beer from the top, mm-hmm. if that's what I had in my head, I think even off the top, I would have been like, oh, You would have judged it awesome. a little differently. Yeah. I wouldn't have been like uh, the same West Coast, yo. Yeah. But no, having known that, I don't care that it's West Coast. Yeah. Knowing that it's maybe before that style really took off. Which, who knows, probably took off at the same time as New England. Probably, like, we got to differentiate it, ourselves. It's very so,
0: possible.
1: You know, 2010. So, you know, 20 years later for this beer, things yeah. started to change. If that's the case, then this is amazing. Sitting mm-hmm. by itself as a beer, the fact that it's malt, a malt-forward IPA mm-hmm. makes it unique in and of itself. Because we've never had a malt-forward IPA before. Other than, like, yeast bombs, which are, again, just...
0: Hit or miss. Very hit or miss. Yeah.
1: And also bread forward. <laughs> Any final notes for you?
0: Nah, dog. Word. So if we're good then. Thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode. And if you enjoyed it, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends, and subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at crackinwhenopen, or shoot us an email at crackinwhenopen at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because we always want to hear. From you,
1: yes, especially if you're a brewery. Especially, hey, Bay Republic, you want to talk about one of your other beers? As long as it's available down here, you can send it to us. Either or,
0: hit us up. We'd love to talk about it. (laughs) What else you got to plug?
1: Oh well, you know I've got audiobooks.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Progressive Entrapment, Coffee at Midnight, Final Girl, Sour. I got a bunch of them. Buy them. I make money off them only if you buy them. If you belong to Audible and you have a subscription service and you use that as your free book of the month, I also still make the same amount of money as if you bought them. But I don't make money if you don't buy them. And honestly, this is like my job. So please make it my main job because my main job sucks. And I'm trying to get out (laughs) of it. So please buy my books. They're awesome. They're written by different people. I just narrate them, but they're pretty good. Uh, Coffee at Midnight is a great short story collection. Sour is like Resident Evil or Evil Dead with a southern accent kind of a story. Progressive Entrapment, if you like really, really gross horror stories. I'm mean, talking like you got a strong stomach.
0: It's specifically one. gross out. Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> absolutely. It is only written to, to gross you out. That's the whole point of it. And if you think, oh, I can take it. You can't.
0: <laughs> Challenge. And, uh,
1: then there's The Final Girl, which is like a 1980 slasher movie in book form, which is really cool with its own new, unique uh, slasher villain. Check those books out. And of forgotten uh Forgotten Cinema, are by my buddy Mike Field, where we talk about forgotten films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie. Maybe don't love about it. Give you fun facts about its production and always recommend you revisit it. You never know. You might find your own forgotten gem. That's a forgotten cinema podcast.com forgotten entertainment.com as well as two player bros episodes, which are also on forgotten entertainment.com. Another podcast I do about video games. Check them all out. Yo. That's all I got (laughs) this time.
0: This time. So a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.
1: This a good clink. I feel like we're too far away though.
0: Clink. <laughs>